Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Ave Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson, and I'm here with Flight Corporal Nadim Elgazar. Hello, everyone. And Flight Corporal Aiden Paul. How's it going? And as always, we are going to be your hosts for this episode. Now, this week, we have a very interesting topic for you guys. You know what? I come, I'm realizing that we say that every single week, but you know what? Every single topic that we have is very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Every single topic that we've had so far. So that said, let's get into what the topic for this week is. It is going to be the evolution of dirigibles, airships, um, hot air balloons, zeppelins, whatever you want to call them. Just big floating airships. You know what we mean. So let's start off with the early days of balloons, hot air balloons. Those were the first ever flying machines. The first hot air balloon was launched on September the 19th, 18, or sorry, 1783 by a scientist named uh, Pietre de Rosier. Please excuse my poor pronunciation of that name. So the passengers of this- get Paul to pronounce that name. <laughs> um, Pietre de Rosier, there you go. There you go. Oh, that's a better pronunciation. <laughs> Right, so the passengers of these first host, uh, hot air balloon was a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. The balloon flew for 15 minutes before crashing into the ground. That is pretty sad. That's like a few meals for quite a few people back then. Well, yeah, but I think that 15 minutes flying, it was very good for those days. Like The first plane that ever flew, it flew for what, like 70 seconds, give or take? Yeah. So... 15 yeah. minutes. That is very impressive by 1783 standards. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the early days, the, it was, well, hot air balloons were sort of a difficult task because you didn't have a, you couldn't tell what method of steering. What, yeah. That, and, there, you, but the thing is you had really no technology for wind, like wind speed and what direct, like you can guess what direction the wind is going. So it was, you could land in where you, you, you won't know where you're going to land. That's the problem. Yeah. You, you see this Actually, still today with hot air balloons. You're pretty much at the mercy of the wind. So um, they were good for back then, but if they were not tied down to something, they could become very hazardous. Actually, here's a something kind of story. Um, there's this one story about a Swedish guy who had this idea for hot air balloons in the mid 1800s, I believe. His idea was to put sails on his hot air balloon and would fly from Svalbard to Russia, I believe, or Canada, one of the two. Um, he ended up getting stranded in the Arctic for like two weeks before dying. I have to admit that that is not very surprising. Putting a sail on something that's flying is a very bad idea. If yeah. you're designing an aircraft, if any aircraft designers are out there, please do not put a sail on an aircraft. We beg of you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not a sailboat. You're 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 not on land or something stable. You're you're in the air. You can't rely on a sail. Yeah, exactly. Um, so interesting thing about hot air balloons—they were actually the first aircraft ever to be used in war. So during the Napoleonic Wars, they were used for scouting. Like you would tie them down to a fixed position, such as a rock or a tree, and then you would send them up very high, and then they could write down where all the enemy positions was. This was very unique because normally a military commander would have to either go up onto a hill or climb up a tree and they still wouldn't have that far of a range. They would only be able to see 
a very limited area. Whereas when you're flying in a hot air balloon, you can see for a long way away. Um, they started being used more directly to attack the enemy in the American Civil War. They were used to drop mainly bombs from, uh, or cannonballs too, from above onto enemy uh, positions. This is actually where you see the very first aircraft carriers in history. You see that um, some of the northern states, the Union, they had ironclads that they would tie down their balloons to, and then they'd fly up, they'd be able to scout, and they'd be able to attack enemy ships. So it was very interesting to see that they were definitely ahead of their time back in the 1800s. That's very impressive for the Civil War, for the lack of technology they had. Just the bravery of going up in a hot air balloon is just something pretty amazing. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, like crazy. the American Civil War, I believe, like the first time anyone even used a magazine in a in a rifle, and now they're doing this. They they definitely were ahead of their time because aerial combat it was something people would have never dreamed of just ten years before this. Um, so balloons they definitely revolutionized the way that we fight wars. Um. So that brings us on to our second area that we're going to be talking about. The 1900s with the Zeppelins and the big airships that you saw. Now, this is definitely the golden age of the Zeppelin. It wasn't a very long age, unfortunately, but it was... It's the... about World War One, and that's it, yeah. Yeah, that, that was the one big that's thing. It. We're going to be talking about that a little bit in here, about what led to their downfall. Um but first, the first Zeppelin was launched on July the 2nd, 1900. So they were right there, right at the turn of the century. They were a brand new technology. That's a, that's a pretty positive note to lead into. And from going from hot air balloon that can just go up and you got to rely on wind to going to a Zeppelin, which could actually steer this time, is very impressive. So, Yeah, and that brings us into our next point. Why Zeppelins were better than hot air balloons. So first of all, as Elgzar just said, they could be steered. They had rudders on the back of them. Not only that, but they were much longer. So the hot air balloons is mainly just a circle or a square. And it is very hard to steer something that is a perfect circle or square, where something that's a long rectangle or a sphere, or sorry, not a sphere, a cylinder, that is a lot easier to control. It's, well, it's like a big ship that floats through the air. Hence the name, airships. They're pretty much big ocean liners that flew. Mm -hmm. And you're not just relying on wind for speed. They actually, they had their own propulsion system. Right. They were exactly. mainly these like enormous propellers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so that so they could actually them, go much faster. Yeah, that, that did lead to them being a lot faster way of, uh, of moving around. That also meant that they could carry a lot heavier loads. A hot air balloon, it could only maybe carry maybe two, maybe three passengers, and maybe only a couple pounds of cargo. A Zeppelin, this massive airship, could be filled to the brim with cargo, with passengers. Some of the later airships you could see could hold up to 100 passengers. And that was, that was massive. That's similar to what a modern airliner can hold. Right, not to mention during... World War One, and I think also during the Second World War, the U.S. had the USS Argonne and something else, which were these enormous airborne aircraft carriers. They were just like, matter of fact, they were just a few meters short of being the biggest things ever sent into the sky. That is that is very true. That 
was a very interesting time for aircraft design. Um, so what would happen was these big airships that have a few small fighter planes that would hook onto the bottom of them and then they'd get sucked up into a hangar that was inside the airship. So that was also definitely very ahead of its time. That's very impressive actually for that time, especially like we don't have much of that today. Yeah. Normally flying aircraft carriers, that's something you see in like a, a Marvel movie. They have their big helicarrier or you see it in Star Wars with the Star Destroyers. But we actually had that about a hundred years ago and now we don't have it that is completely crazy mm-hmm. um, well just because we have more reliable things nowadays instead that, of a flying aircraft carrier that is true we have we have better aircraft so we don't really need the flying aircraft carrier um zeppelins they were very good for traveling long distance though um not only were they very very fast as you said they could go a very long distance. Like they could fly across the Atlantic. There was actually a report I read that the typical Zeppelin could fly from mainland Germany to the U.S. East Coast in only three days. That's really insane. Like you have cruise liners in that time, that, and especially World War II time, cruise liners going from Germany to like Havana, Cuba, which is pretty much like the U.S., in yeah, 17 a- days. For a blimp to do that in three, or a Zeppelin to do that in three days, that's just, that's crazy. Well, yeah, and that's, you're comparing modern ships, because modern ships now, they take maybe a week, maybe two weeks to cross the Atlantic to go from Germany to the U.S. East Coast. This thing from almost 100 years ago could do it in three days, which is absolutely crazy. And that was before airplanes, like for having a large amount of people on a, on a zeppelin and for it to cross in three days that's just imagining to be living in that time and to see that happen that that would be that would be very inspiring well yeah and another thing about these zeppelins was that they were luxurious we're not Mm -hmm. talking like um you're flying on a plane and you're cramped into that tiny little seat we mean it was actually like you were on a cruise ship everyone had their own separate rooms there was restaurants bars there was lounges it was truly luxury back then. Flying back then on a Zeppelin was probably the most luxurious thing you could do. And if I can add, it's they look. It looks like the cargo space is very small on a Zeppelin, but that's just because the space that's actually filled with uh, with helium is just humongous. It, it it looks like it's it looks silly. Like it can fit maybe a couple. Uh, pilots in the in the seat but no it's huge it's just the thing is very massive well not only that but quite a few airships had it so that you could go up into where the the gases were stored up into the balloon itself they had decks that were up there so it wasn't just the bottom compartment where people were like it is on most modern blimps but it definitely was a very good time now, they sure. did fight in World War I. They were very effective in the early years of World War I. So uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about strategic bombing. We talked about the German campaigns during World War II. They did something very similar in World War I, but they didn't really have these big tactical bombers that they could use. They had to use Zeppelins to do it, and the Zeppelins were very good. The main reason they were very good is because the British didn't really have fighters that could fly up that high at the time around 1915 so they could just fly in unchallenged 
and drop their payloads on whatever they wanted. Yeah, the German armed forces had several Zeppelins and they were very, like for the time, they're capable of traveling at about 85 miles per hour, which is very fat, like over... That's over highway speed. That's, that's, that's yeah, well 60... over 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That'll be like almost 120 maybe. I'm going to yeah, guess. 125. But... And it can carry up to two tons of bombs. For that time, two tons of bombs on a Zeppelin, that is, yeah, that is a next level of crazy. It it truly was impressive. Mm -hmm. And they weren't just used for bombing. They were actually used by all sides for mainly scouting. They were called barrage blimps. And they were um, towed along. And then they were used to direct the artillery fire, hence the name barrage. Um, Well, I think... One big thing to look about is why they are unpopular, why we don't really see Zeppelins that much anymore. Um, there are two main reasons for that. The first one is fairly obvious. It's um, airplanes were invented. Why would you want to cross the Atlantic in three days when you can do it in about seven to eight hours, which is a whole lot quicker? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, if you're using a supersonic. Well, yeah, but... Similar, similar to Zeppelins, you don't really see Concords anymore. Those things could cross in three hours, which is also impressive. And we might talk about that in another episode, not too sure. But uh, it definitely was impressive that it could cross in three hours. But honestly, even, even back in the 1940s, a lot of um, planes with a few stops, they could make it over the Atlantic in maybe 20 hours tops which is still a lot better than three days yeah and there are some safety concerns and i feel like when there's when people talk about safety concerns with uh, zeppelins you have to talk about the the hindenburg disaster at lakehurst new jersey which happened uh in 1937 and it pretty much brought the end uh of an age for these airships because the disaster killed 35 people on the uh on the airship and one member of the ground crew. So it was obviously a disaster. Yeah, and it, it wasn't, this wasn't an isolated incident. In the mid thirties, there was a massive number of airships that went down. And when you go back and you look at the reason why, it is actually pretty obvious too. Now, modern blimps, they are filled with helium. Helium makes it rise. Back then, helium wasn't as readily available. So a lot of them were filled with hydrogen. Now, if anyone here knows anything about chemistry, you will know that hydrogen is highly flammable and in some cases, highly explosive. Oh, yeah. So, gotta love the great design there. Might as well put the highly explosive material right next to a group of passengers. Brilliant design on their part, but... Yeah, I get if it was semi-used for military. Like, it's still not a great design, but not for if you're going to have, like... almost 100 passengers on there. That's not yeah, that, even more than 100 passengers. Well, that's why you don't really see anything using hydrogen these days. Everything is filled with helium because hydrogen is a ticking time bomb. And that's exactly what happened to the Hindenburg. I've read some of the disaster report files there. They said that there was a hydrogen leak on board. And then when it flew through a thunderstorm, it ignited the hydrogen, which would have completely devastated it and it did completely devastate it um well i think another important thing to look at was as you said one person on the ground crew was killed these things were incredibly dangerous to the ground crews 
there was a case in the U.S. Navy where um, this was in the, I think, late 20s, maybe early 30s. Um, a Zeppelin was taking off and it took off too quickly and the mooring ropes, three sailors were holding onto them still and they got caught on it and it dragged them up. And so they were dragged up and they had to hold on. Two of the sailors, actually, they slipped off and they fell to their deaths. So only one sailor survived that incident. And so, yeah, if you were on the ground, you were in just as much risk as anyone on that airship. So they're very, very dangerous. And uh, compared to an airplane, which is not nearly as dangerous, unless, unless you come close to a propeller, but that is a very easy thing to avoid. So that is also why people stopped using Zeppelins mainly. Also, like aircraft carriers, it is if you don't have proper training, especially like how the military trains now for well for the Americans because we kind of scrapped ours. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, it's definitely very dangerous to run uh, like the runway at an aircraft carrier. But if you have the proper training, you should be able to. But at the time, zeppelins weren't much as they, they didn't have much as much control as modern day aircraft. So, well, and they. They also didn't really have as many safety regulations back then. It wasn't like um, nowadays where if you're going into a high place, you have to be wearing a harness or you have to be wearing a hard hat. Those guys, they were wearing nothing. They just had to hold on to that rope for dear life. Um, so now we're going to talk a little bit about modern blimps. So as we just said, they're a lot safer than those old zeppelins because they use helium instead of hydrogen so they're not prone to just exploding out of the blue um i have to admit though they are very rare to see today you only really see them like the goodyear blimp i that's honestly the only blimp i have ever seen in my life and i've never even seen it with my own eyes yeah same uh I'm, i would be very surprised if one of us has seen a blimp with our own eyes if, if you have seen it it was probably used for advertisement at a ball game or something but other than that, you don't see many blimps nowadays because it's just, why? There's really no purpose for it. Exactly. With the modern aircraft right. that we have, we can fly across the ocean in seven hours. That is incredible. Why would you choose to go across it in three days when you could go across it in less than one? Um I think it's also important to note that modern blimps are nowhere near as large as the Zeppelins from the 1900s. Um, so you might remember we said about Zeppelins, they're like big ocean liners. Nowadays, blimps are a lot like big helicopters. They, um, they can hold maybe 10 passengers at most and can't really carry that much cargo. Um, well, that's because they don't really need to carry that much cargo. They, they're just meant there to be uh, advertising what's on the side of them. And I have to admit, they are a pretty good way to advertise. When you see the Goodyear blimp go by, everyone thinks of Goodyear and they see a blimp pretty much. Yeah, for sure. But that's because they kind of used something that was old and wasn't really used as much anymore. So it became a very renowned thing for our generation, especially that when you see a blimp, you're going to think of Goodyear. Exactly. It's a novelty. You don't really see blimps so often. So when you do see one, it's amazing. You, you're like, wow, look at that. Look how cool that is. I mean, where else are we going to see that? Um, but I don't think you'd ever really want to fly on one or it might be cool to do. Like it'd be cool to sit in a blimp and go for a ride, but 
you would never take a blimp regularly if you had to go on business trips around the world. Um, that would be silly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be the ultimate flex, but that's about it. <laughs> well, it would definitely be a lot of fun. You're right, but it would be so hard just to get around the world. And you say it's the ultimate flex, but is it really? I mean, it's it has the same level of comfort as a modern airliner. I mean, that's what they have nowadays. They're not like back in the 30s when it was all luxury, like a cruise ship. But nowadays, they're like an airliner. So why would you want to sit in that cramped little seat for days at a time when you could just sit in it for a few hours? It's kind of hard to flex that uh, you wrote a thing you wrote a thing to cross the ocean in three days when you could have done it in seven hours or eight hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, True. So before we go, we just want to quickly talk a little bit about the history behind or where the future of these blimps looks like they're going. None. Uh, yeah, like we just said, I I highly doubt that we will ever see a big resurgence in blimps again. It's very sad because it was a golden age. It was blimps were probably the coolest things, or not blimps, but zeppelins were probably the coolest things that ever flew, such as the Hindenburg. It was the largest flying object in history. That would have been so amazing to see. But does it still hold that record? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Wow. No aircraft. Yeah, the ever biggest plane. That. The biggest plane ever since is like maybe a quarter of the length, the AN-225, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the 747, if you've seen a cross-section of it next to it, it is, it is very small compared to it. But unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to be seeing that again for the reasons we just stated. Why would anyone want to take uh, a slower trip in the same quality conditions? It just isn't going to happen. So any company that runs blimps it's not going to be very profitable or in the case of goodyear they don't care about profits they just want to advertise stuff um so yeah unfortunately we probably never will see a big rise in blimps again yeah i'm looking at a diagram and uh you could probably fit like three 747s or even maybe even four 747s inside of the uh of the hindenburg yeah, it was, it was enormous. It was a massive aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just before we let you guys go tonight, we want to really quickly talk about the sponsors for these episodes. This podcast is made possible by 102 Squadron Air Cadets. Right now, we are unable to do our normal fundraising due to the pandemic. Instead, we made a Squadron Cookbook. All three of us are members of the cookbook committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. It includes recipes from almost every cadet, officer, and member of staff. Books will be available for pre-order soon, so keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, very soon. We're getting much closer to uh, having those books ready for pre-order. Yes, we just had a meeting today. They said that the pre-orders are going to be coming out within the next two weeks or so. So that's definitely going to be exciting. We recommend you look for that book. It is going to be a great cookbook. Yeah, it will give you information on how to uh, actually Agreed. visit the website and order a book. Yeah, and it's it's more than just a yeah. cookbook. It tells a whole story about our squadron. There's going to be letters from the commanding officer, from the mayor of Barrie, all that. So I would definitely recommend you check it out. Not only is it a great book, but it's a great way to support a great organization. 
Yeah, we can't, we haven't been able to do our regular fundraising. This is almost going to be the third time that we're going to head into the spring and we always do fall and spring tagging. So we missed last spring tagging, we missed fall tagging, or are about to miss it once again. So it, it, yeah, this cookbook will help us make up for that a bit. All right. And with that, that has been this week's episode of the Ave Geeks podcast. We'd once again like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Have a good one.